0: Y'all, welcome back. I am super excited. Um, I got Eric and Ashley here, the uh, the two pillars of this podcast, really. And we are going to interview Tanner Vaughn, a uh, longtime friend of ours, but also an uh, incredibly interesting dude because he owns his own or runs his own IT company. Uh, and as far as I can remember, he was never even an IT guy. And we'll get to all that. But just to start, Tanner, where do you live currently? And uh, what's it like, you know, with COVID and such going on?
1: Yeah, I'm in Austin. I'm I'm in Southwest Austin, kind of by Oak Hill. So we bought a house eight years ago on Convict Hill and have been there ever since. But, you know, as far as what it's like doing IT work, we, we were kind of remote before it was cool to be remote. So we haven't had an office. We haven't had an office since 2017. So the transition into COVID world for us, from a functional standpoint, we really didn't miss a whole lot, ironically. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I had to ask you specifically. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in a bit, we're going to, I want to dive into that, but just to pull
0: everyone in, I mean, Eric and Ashley as well, like what, what's the largest social gathering that y'all have been to recently? Like what, what's the, you know what I mean? Like, have you done anything of any kind?
2: I've been pretty conservative because um, my, you know, I'm in Austin and my parents are still here and my sister and her husband and my little nephew. So been keeping it mostly um, locked down because I'd like to, you know, see them. I've, but I've seen like a friend one-on-one, but nothing big group at all. Yeah.
3: Pretty much the same. Like I see my parents cause I'm in Austin too. Um, and then my brother and his wife and my two nieces live in Waco and I go visit them. Sick sick and then, bears. Yeah. Sick and Bears. And then outside of that, I've hung out outside with like a couple of people here and there, like one couple and then another
0: friend or two. And that's, it really see and listening to hear like just listening to y'all say that hearing you guys say that like groupthink exists or at least to me because i if i was living there i would totally buy in and and whatever and i do wear masks when i go to you know like walmart or whatever but uh but here's here's what's going on in south dakota y'all we went to a concert last weekend there's a couple hundred people there was vendors there was beer and everything going on dancing uh this past weekend specifically we went to a wedding probably a hundred plus people dancing around. Nobody had on, nobody had on masks. Everything's fine. Uh, everything was totally cool. And it was just like, you know what? Maybe South Dakota's got to figure it out till Monday morning. Uh, my daughter, Emery is coughing up a storm. So I had to take her in and get a COVID test. We just found out literally hours ago. She doesn't have it. So we're good, but that's what's going on in SD y'all. Like that's a, that's how good of a parent I am that I just took my kid (laughs) to a group. Like that's like the group thing here is just like, eh, you know, we'll be all right. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just, it's. Wildly different, but anyway, yeah, so some of that too in Austin, yeah, to be fair. yeah. Like,
1: it's there. It, it depends on where what circles you're around, but there you go out in public in Austin, and it's I mean, it's not totally laissez faire, like people still wear masks indoors, but. By and large, like you can pretty well live your life normally in Austin now. Yeah. There's not a whole lot that you would be really ill-affected if you were paying attention.
3: And part of your attitude is based off just the density of the population you're in, right? Like if you're in a bigger yeah. city, there's more of a necessity and it's more likely that you're going to need to wear a mask and somebody around you is going to have it than if you're right. in South Dakota and the entire state's population fits within Austin. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude.
0: Like Mm -hmm. we are socially, like the wedding that we went to was in pier, which is literally three hours away from any town that has more than like 2000 people. Yeah, exactly. Three hours. Like it is itself socially distanced. Like it's absurd. So like, you know, odds are I was safe, but anyways, (laughs) back to the topic at hand, I'm not computer literate at all. So I mean, dude, Tanner, like in in a, like you're explaining to a five-year-old, what is it you do? What does your company do, bro?
1: Yeah. So we're an outsourced IT department. It's probably the easiest way to to understand it. We we really don't do any business to consumer stuff. All of our customers are are other businesses, and our, our customer makeup is pretty broad. So we don't really have an industry focus. We're just we're focused on being the IT department for customers that don't want to have to manage their own IT infrastructure internally. So you know we've got customers that are ten people. We've got customers that are three hundred people, and it just really depends on kind of their their leadership mindset. Do they want to manage IT internally or do they want to outsource it to somebody that does that for a living?
0: And you thought of this idea like seven, eight years ago? How I mean, how long Yeah.
1: Ago? Yeah. So we started the company in April of 14. Did y'all know that I started it with a high school friend? No. No. Yeah. Matt Eppright is my co-founder.
4: Yeah, um, yeah y'all talked
1: I about didn't... Matt. Yeah, y'all talked about Matt on the podcast with uh Grant. Kirk, yeah. Oh, sorry. yeah. Yeah. So Matt, like Matt is still Matt is still one of my best friends. Oh, that's great. Okay. So we were talking about Matt Epright. Sorry about the disruption there. I don't know if that was me or if that was y'all, but I'm blaming um, you and you're the IT guy. Listen, it could be. <laughs> yeah. It's not a great advertisement for live. <laughs> uh, okay. So I started with Matt um, in April of 2014. And Matt and I, so Trey and I had, had maintained friendship. Y'all, y'all remember Trey? Oh, yeah. And uh, we had maintained a friendship all past college and then. Matt and I sort of started to gravitate t- together towards the end of his MBA. He did an MBA at Acton in Austin. It's like an entrepreneur focused MBA. And I, I used to, we would sit on my back porch and have these these discussions about what he was going to do professionally. And we both had this knack for we wanted to be entrepreneurs one day. Like we wanted to start our own company doing something. And so we we sort of decided we would have a business partnership together before we actually had an idea of what to do and we spent, I mean, this is, this is probably more story than you want, but we spent, <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> we spent a lot of time thinking of like products to invent. I think when you think of being an entrepreneur, you you sort of naturally knee jerk to thinking about like what invention you can make. Yeah. Like you draw a correlation between inventor and entrepreneur, which I guess you could make that argument. But it, anyways, so we were thinking about a product to make and we both had really bad experiences outsourced, with outsourced IT. With me, it was, I was selling copiers and printers at the time for a company in Austin. And the company I worked for had kind of a Lexus mindset. Like they wanted to be the high end service and support copier printer vendor. And so much of my job became helping customers figure out why their copier wasn't working only to find out that it had nothing to do with the copier. It actually was because it wasn't connected to the network, right? And so just had that experience a lot, having to work with outsourced IT groups that just had really bad customer service. And that was sort of the genesis of the idea for me. And then for Matt, he was a, a ops and a technology consultant for a flooring company out of Dallas. And uh, they had just fired their 10th outsourced IT company in two and a half years. I mean, they went through them. And uh, so I, we were talking about a project that we were working on for that company, actually sitting on my back porch, talking about copiers and printers for, for Impact Floors, the company he was with. And we got to the topic of IT and he was like, oh man, don't get me started on IT companies. We, we're bringing on a new one. I'm confident we're going to fire them too. And it was like, man, I'm dealing with IT companies too. And they're horrible. And so we just sort of reached the same conclusion from a different angle.
0: That's crazy. So yeah, so it's I, weird. I read online that that uh, you guys employ like over 400 people, all of which are redheaded Alaskans named Trevor. Like what, no. what made you? What no. made you guys want to do? No. what right, I'm totally no. kidding because you warned we me. That bio, you, you, <laughs> you told me before any of this started when I started digging in. You're like, "There's nothing about me online, and there's not yep. shit online." I couldn't find. Dude, we man. There's one former employee on Glassdoor, and he gave you a five-star <laughs> review, which doesn't help. <laughs> oh yeah, right, like, nice. It's a lot, guy. That's a like, draft, man, great. yeah, your Twitter page hasn't posted anything in three years, and <laughs> you're off. I don't get it. Okay, but I will give you this. Your website is beautifully designed. Like, it's it's crisp and clean. But it's all, like, earthy pictures. Like, it's like a blonde girl on a lake playing with her phone and, like, a lot of green bushes. And, like, your logo is a leaf. Like, yeah. is that on purpose? Is that a marketing oh, yeah. strategy to help, like... Normalize or like naturalize the idea of it. You know what I mean? Like, is that
1: on purpose? Yeah. Well, okay. So that you're. That's a good segue. That's you're some talented podcasting there, Joe. Hell yes. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> uh man. We actually just redid a lot of our branding, and we used a company here in Austin that that really took a long time to like evaluate what made us special as a company. Like, we we have really really good customers. Like very notable customer brands in and around texas and and even outside of texas some and when we when we worked with this marketing firm early on they, they did a really good job of evaluating why are you able to to attract these kind of customers and keep them really happy and then grow that sort of a customer base customer base as a young company and so we did a bunch of customer interviews um we did a bunch of brand sort of uh, what would you call it studying into our brand about what what sort of set us apart. And that was the concept they came up with, which I I really I bought into. There's a there's a balance if you look closely at the way the website is designed and the way the brand is designed, there's a balance between the high tech element, which definitely has to be there in our business, but also a much softer element of of being approachable and like they they made our tagline make IT human because it's, you know, the the thing that we recognize in our business, what kind of drew us into the business to begin with, was most outsourced IT companies spend 80% of their effort on technical capabilities and 20% of their effort on interpersonal skill. And we just thought it was backwards. We just focus 80% of our our, of our effort on the soft skill, how we deliver service to a customer. Because really, you don't have to hire an 80% technical person. You have to hire a 20% technical person because you can teach this stuff. You have to hire somebody that you want to have a beer with after work. Right. So that's sort of that's what we cool. built the business yeah. model around. Actually yeah.
0: was, cause actually you worked, you know, in, in IT for how many years? Cause I'm going to get it wrong.
2: Like I guess nine now.
0: Yeah. Nine what, c- compare that Tanner's philosophy to do your company. was Was yours, did you present yourself in that way at all?
2: Well, um, I think it's great. I think that's a, a, an amazing approach. And at the end of the day, what, no matter how big you are, you're you're just solving customers' problems. So it. You, it, as long as you can get to the root of what, whatever the problem is, then you're going to be successful, I believe. So um, that sounds fantastic. I have worked for, um, I mean, the company that I worked for previously that I spent most of my time at the last eight and a half years was um, 80,000 people. So we're talking about, you know, this is a huge enterprise level corporate machine. Um, So no, I would not say that we (laughs)
4: approach
2: (laughs) things in that way. And we were, and we're very business to business. I mean, Tanner's is too, of course, but it, but like, you know, I mean, we worked with customers like, you know, major banks, major, um, mobile providers governments uh you know this is on a very very large scale so but even still i think uh, making sure that you bring that human element to um you know at the end of the day it's a salesperson and a couple guys talking to um, you know somebody who represents that organization as well so now that sounds great it's cool
0: it is interesting that you say it's a couple of guys because that's a perfect left turn to where I want to go here. Um, here's just a just a quick little, this isn't this week's quiz. We're not there yet, but just as a fun little throwaway, what do y'all think the percentage of American tech jobs that are held by women is?
1: There percentage of tech jobs held by women? Mm-hmm.
2: Like any job, not C-level yeah, or whatever. Yeah, this is a very broad
1: uh, scale, I admit. This, you know,
4: yeah. uh,
2: God, my sister, my sister works in... Uh, an HR function in IBM. So I'm sure she has all these stats. Yeah, I feel at the- like
1: this is a trap question there, Joe. I feel like whatever answer <laughs> right, so I give is going be, be, yeah, right to be incorrect. Hey, man,
0: how many females do you have unemployed right now? No. Just ask
2: Eric. Yeah, yeah, this feels like – questions right every yeah, time. I don't yeah, like where Eric this is going.
1: Time. Anyway. I said, I, I'm, I'm going not Michael planning Ford. on running for political office, but then you, I don't <laughs> want to say something you're going to use against me. Wait, Eric, say that again because – I God said damn.
3: Michael
0: Jordan, 23. It's 22, bro. <laughs> How? What? All right. So depending on, and it, it's anywhere from 16 to 34, but the general range is about 22% for what I could find, you know, multiple different websites and yada, yada, but depending on the sectors and such and such, but that's kind of what it is. So like that's, what, and this is such a broad question. So I mean, it, why do you think that is? You know what I mean? Like, wh- why wow. is it, why does it seem to be, is it, is it just a function of just that life was male dominated up until like now? Or, or was it, is there something about IT that drew men to it?
2: <clears throat> well, historically, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think the, the, the workplace in general is, you know, over the last 50, 60 years has been historically male until like the women's rights movement and all that kind of thing. Um, but it's, you know, well known that women, um, girls in school are not um, encouraged or haven't been at least until more recently in STEM Technology. So if you're not familiar with that acronym, it's science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And it's just kind of an old, um, you know, trope that somehow girls are, and, and they are like typically better at language and speaking. So they go into more English and liberal arts degrees or, you know, sometimes push that into marketing um, later on in life. But true like science, engineering, tech mathematics it, somehow through young schooling age is more encouraged of boys than it is girls. And then, so there you go. You've got your, you know, post-grad candidates.
4: Hmm.
0: Far Do you think it's, do you think it's because you know, and when I say we, I mean societally, we push certain, we push the male genders towards you know A, B, and C, and we push the the, the women genders, Or do you think yeah. there is something inherent? Because I, I personally don't think that there's anything inherently different between no. I, I think it's pushed. I think
2: it's, and I don't think it's like an agenda. I, I think it's changing a lot. I think this is recognized. I know there's a lot of programs in schools. I know there's um, extracurricular activities like there's camps in Austin for girls to get involved in these kinds of areas outside of regular school um, like summer mm. camps that make it fun and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um and I think the world is changing, but I, I think it's yeah, it's definitely not an inherent thing. Because then they find out that women actually tend to hold and graduate better degrees from these uh,
0: disciplines. I <laughs> found that out. out like 56% it doesn't matter. I had a stat that supports that, but there's so many stats that support that. Yeah, it's crazy. Sorry, Erica cut you off.
3: No, but I'm just like I was as you asked that question, I was thinking about it. And generally like in general Systems where somebody is in power, they tend to try and create the system underneath them to keep them in power, right? So, if you apply that to the IT field and male-dominated, you know, employment, creating a system or an environment where that would keep happening would naturally fit within any other kind of employment system we have. Honestly, mm.
2: it can be kind of a it, it can be kind of a boys' club. It's, it's it goes into the same um, ideas of you know what how systemic racism keeps getting pulled up and how um, I mean, even in the film industry, when I worked in film, it's the same way. It's like pe- people hire what they're comfortable with. And if you're a white Male again. This is not. This is not to start. We're not going to start white male hating. That's not the point here. But I, it, I it, hate it, white. It, yeah, you're not it, in
1: good company for that. <laughs> it is. We it, outnumber we, you. Yeah.
0: Shoot. Right. Now. Totally outnumbered. That's the only I, reason we have her on the show. Is like, please help. Know, not be all dudes. <laughs> that's
4: not true. We that know scientifically. We
2: know scientifically that we as human beings, and that's just natural. That's like human survival. You you are inclined to stay with what you know it makes you comfortable so um you know i i think i think it makes sense i'm not hating on it i i know a ton of successful women in the industry and i think it's i think it's slowly and gradually changing so
0: i'm happy thankfully it, i agree there i mean i was just like literally just today i don't have this written down but like i was watching a netflix show uh shit Game over or high score? Maybe it's like it's like, it's about the origin of video games. It's like a, it's you know like a six part documentary or whatever about the origin of video games. Which I mean, Vance and I did an episode uh, a couple months ago uh, on the origin of video games. Which <laughs> clearly, just saying, Netflix copied me. All I'm saying, um, <laughs> clearly, what clearly. they didn't did copy was Vance and I getting wasted uh-huh. and rambling for three hours. So don't. Anyways, point is the early <laughs> video game you know creation people. I mean, it basically was just computer programming, but all of these programmers they interviewed were dudes like literally i watched like three or four episodes just today on in the background and like maybe three women total and like 20 30 dudes easily so i mean like i look i you know i did this wasn't i wasn't planning on going down the road so i don't have like an easy segue out of it but i mean it it almost becomes like a chicken and egg thing like Mm -hmm. if at any given point dudes were pushed to do it then dudes just started like i guess dudes are better so i'm gonna hire more dudes you know it becomes a cyclical thing i you know i i guess but i mean i really like it seems like just until like recently we didn't start purposely including women you know what I mean? Like, it almost feels like we should be doing that. Like, we, we should, like, I'm glad these, like, camps exist. And anyways, I got off on a left turn. Like, I've never been a social justice warrior. I just, I have a daughter. She turns <laughs> she turns three tomorrow. And, like, yeah. I'm starting to look Happy at birthday, things. Yay. Yeah, what up, girl? If you ever I love paying your perspective, no. right? Dude, yeah. I mean, from her point of view, yeah. you turn on the TV, all sports, all, all athletes are dudes, all coaches are dudes, all broadcasters are dudes, nightly news, usually dudes, a majority of CEOs in America, dudes. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of just sad. Like it's, it's almost as sad as it would have been if my daughter caught COVID because I'm a dummy, but, um,
4: <laughs> speak,
0: speaking of COVID, hey, I found, I found a left turn back into this shit. So your day to day, Tanner, I'm guessing it really hasn't changed much because of, you know, COVID and, and social distancing and offices and shit. If you
1: haven't really no, had, my day to day hasn't changed hardly at all, but I don't mind getting away from mean, I don't, we don't have, don't feel like we have to jump off of that topic. I mean, I'm if down to circle. If back. you sensed that I was uncomfortable talking about it, you didn't sense me right because I could oh, definitely no, no. talk about it. Oh no, no, you that. did. I just, <laughs> I just, yeah, no, I didn't. I'm sure we'll shit. find okay. our way what back. I'm back. sure we'll find our way back. Okay, I am not, a good, I am find not a good. good way way. <laughs> and I am not a good host. And I may. Wait, no, no, Hold on, real quick, Tanner. A, why do you hate women? Yeah, we can talk about that too. I'm happy to talk about. that. Let's get your wife in here. No, I, listen. I, I, uh, I mean, we can we can go into that topic in a deeper context if you want to. I don't, I don't. I'm not qualified to talk on it, frankly. I mean, like my perspective is so small, given the amount of people that work at Live Oak and have ever worked at Live Oak, and this is my first venture. So, like, I'm still learning this as I go. I'm very. I, I'm very realistic about my abilities as a CEO and where we're heading as a company and like my understanding of how much I lack to be able to take us really where we have the potential to go. So like, I'm still, I'm still developing my own instincts for this myself. So what I say today and what I learn tomorrow, you know, maybe completely different, but you know, I, I, I do think that, I do think that there can be social momentum in an industry that leads it to be x dominated and you can insert whatever you want to in x so there's going to be industries that have a tendency to get more male dominated because they started off male dominated okay Mm -hmm. i also think though that there's a there's an element this may be way more like like existential than y'all wanted to get into but i do think that there's an element of men being a little more thing intensive in the way that they're wired Mm -hmm. And women being much more people intensive and, and actually IT in my job, it tends to be a perfect balance, which I can get into, but for, for men that are attracted to IT, okay. And given my sampling is my sampling, I'm going to keep giving disclaimers, but the men that I have come into contact with in IT are very they like the puzzle box thing they like to mm-hmm. work with the gadget there's something about that that personality makeup of somebody that's very high iq that tends to be lower on the eq scale right mm-hmm. you remember those two terms iq I'm eq not, I'm not. Yeah, so iq perfect. is what you know of intelligence quotient it's somebody that's very thing smart emotional quotient is eq and that's somebody that's very people smart that has soft skill okay So what you what you typically see, and this is no secret of ours, like I tell this to to prospective customers all the time. What you typically see in IT in general is this is generalizing, it's painting with a broad brush, but we're being general. So you see this kind of brash personality, like IT, you've seen the Jimmy Fallon skit on SNL where he's your company's IT guy. Yes. Yes. And he's like rude to people and tells them to get away. Like that's funny for a reason, right? Right. IT people personalities are not they're not, they don't have a lot of soft skills sometimes, you know? And I think that if you're looking at the gender differences from a biological perspective, if you want to look at it, even like evolutionarily, if we want to go Mm -hmm. there, the, the the evolutionary history of a human being would not have been that long where you'd have women being more evolutionarily predisposed to being nurturing. Mm Mm-hmm for what the role was for a woman not that long ago. And mm-hmm. maybe if it's on an evolutionary track, we're just not far, that far beyond that. So you may see women that are more attracted to nurturing fields like nursing, where it's very woman dominated. So tech, I think this was, you know, James Damore got in a lot of trouble for writing this in his memo. And, and you know, he he's he didn't have a lot of soft skill in how he presented his ideas, which got him into trouble. But the, the concept there being Yeah, there's probably some social momentum that leads an industry to being something dominated and and to not acknowledge that is probably a mistake. Mm -hmm. But to also not acknowledge and celebrate some of the industries where women are very dominant, where their their sort of soft skill makeup that I don't have is like amplified. It's celebrated. And you know, I I uh it's a it's such a danced around topic and it doesn't really have to be like well, people can I, disagree with that all, all day long and that's fine, but
2: I like, that you like take a, and, it. Oh, sorry. Go
1: ahead. Go ahead, Ashley. Finish.
2: Well, I like that you take it to that existential level because I think um, I, as a, you know, very self-proclaimed feminist, which I don't think should be a scary or dirty word. A lot of people have. No, a feeling I know, yeah. and but but people, whoever may be listening to this podcast on America's, America's number, number one, one. conservative,
0: yeah. Yeah. number <laughs> one. Yeah. yeah
2: um, might get offended. You know, some people are weirdly offended by that term, but I think what modern day feminists really, um, can, can relate to what you just said, that, that biologically there are some, um, capabilities that men bring to the table and that women bring to the table that are equally, um, both important and should be celebrated for their differentiation. My only, my only, um, uh, kind of, I not it's not even really a counterpoint, but maybe addition to what you're saying is that in the it world, um, absolutely what you said and the scenarios you described, I can completely agree with, but I think some of those soft skills, like for me, myself, I, so I'm a product marketing manager, so I work with a quite technical team, but I, you know, I, I, I have to understand the technology, our new features, what makes um, you know the new releases, all the bug fixes that go into it? So I'm spending a lot of time with our engineers and our product managers. But then I take that and I externally push the message to say, okay, this is what makes it valuable for our customers. This is what makes it better than the last release. Um, yeah, that's You're kind a of a translator. That I'm a translator very much so. And I think that um, you know, women and sort of the the people skills that you said, you know, even in IT, they can be so valuable in. Strategy, leadership yeah. positions, um, yeah, you agree. know, management positions, and so even if it's if you didn't come out with a technical degree like I didn't, I mean, listen to the previous podcast. I graduated from UT with a film degree, and parlayed that into knowing what my skill set was, and still having a being able to have a basic understanding of of the technology that I'm working with, but um, applying all those soft skills you know, into, I think women still have a place in that space for a lot of different amazing
1: functions. So I I think that what you're talking about is actually something near to my heart and near to my, my business model's heart, if there is such a thing, because the, the, okay. So what we have noticed is we have a team of people that are sort of the first level of defense with a customer. Mm -hmm. Like they are the translator group that takes, the customer that doesn't understand IT and they don't because they wouldn't need us if they did. Right. Right. So anybody that calls us doesn't understand IT and they don't fully understand the problem that they're having. That's why they're calling us. So to have the first person that answers the phone be Jimmy Fallon Mm -hmm. is a huge mistake. Right. right? (laughs) And what we have found is that somebody that's very high on the IQ scale, that's very low on the EQ scale is not gonna give the best first impression to the customer. They're not gonna communicate very well with them. They're not going to take very good notes. They're gonna belittle them, and the, the, the whole interaction is gonna be bad for the customer. What we found is teachers have the best soft skill, and they understand like, okay, I gotta take this complex topic, and I have to translate it into something that somebody that's not complex thinking can understand. And so Mm -hmm. where I think tech hasn't caught up to this yet, or they're catching up now. I mean, I I think in our business, we're the only one that has a focal point on this. But what we're realizing is that the glorification of somebody that has tech wizardry abilities is really going away because everything is kind of self-service now. Mm. And so actually the, the soft skill and the communication ability and all those things are more important to our business than somebody that can Solve a ticket really fast. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's like in my company specifically now we have usually it's the sales guys that kind of manage the first calls. Um, or I guess we we have a support team. It just depends on kind of who's their who their sales rep is. Maybe they reach out to a salesperson. Maybe they put in a support ticket. And I think they're. I think you're totally right. I think there's always some kind of friction on that point where. People can get easily frustrated. They're they're not understanding that the, their advice um, that they've been given. And there's this role, and I don't know if you guys have that, but that's um, more or less recent ish. That's called solution sales or sales engineers. That uh, yeah, has, that's, a, that's a very particular role that I think is great, where they have the technology, but they do they're a little bit more on a sales marketing perspective and can kind of massage the the issue before. Um, you know, it just goes straight to a, you know, tech guy who's just going through tickets on, on a regular basis yeah. and may, may get a little irritated
1: too quick. <laughs> and guess who would not be good at that job? <laughs> I, would, I would not be good at that job. I, I, I really would yeah.
2: No, me either. It
1: takes somebody with that, like, innate ability to understand what this person's trying to convey and communicate it to this person that doesn't understand it. And, you know. I don't know. I, I the the women in tech that I have seen that are very, very good at their job are very, very good at that piece.
4: Mm-hmm. My
1: sampling is small, but but that's a really hard job to do, by the yeah. way. Like mm-hmm. really hard. So <clears throat> Your sampling yeah. might be small,
0: but your experience is still valid. And that, that's yeah, the absolutely. best part. And genuinely, I, I love that the two of you were able to have that discourse peacefully and, and more importantly, educationally. Like I sat here and learned like that might be the best segment this podcast has ever had. I didn't say a goddamn word. Like that. <laughs> <know. How laughs> that worked out, huh? You we, we 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 were killing us our, this. So stupid mouth. I just and shut up. This it. is a great show. <laughs> yeah. Number one podcast.
1: I just came out of three years of Twitter science to bash Ashley on Twitter so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You'll have to go see my my yeah. Twitter feed.
0: I did notice that you're. I'm going to
3: see feature. the headline Company CEO Bash Self Proclaimed Feminist. That's it. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> company <laughs> that you've never yeah. heard of. CEO. You stop, and you man. can't cancel me because I'm not on Twitter. Right, anymore.
0: Yeah.
4: Oh, I don't give shit. It.
0: Coward, uh, you
1: don't
0: know it. it. Dude, I, I had a couple of questions. Your Facebook page had a picture of like a bunch of people holding, and I'm not going to say the brand, but a bunch of people holding uh, cans of cider. But you specifically, Tanner, were not holding a can. So I was going to ask you if you're not a drinker, but you're drinking right along with
1: me. So clearly that. Oh, topic. this is. Out. actually so this is a Waterloo. Is that non-alcoholic? That's not that's a non-alcoholic uh wait so are you I not mean, a, drinker a drinker then? Drink. Okay. I was like that's well, a valid drink. question yeah, I mean, I, All right. I'm not a huge so, drinker drank be... with Tanner before. Well yeah, yeah. But that was
0: like seven years ago. I didn't know. I was like maybe you know yeah. Mr. CEO's gone gone you know dry or
1: something. <laughs> no I don't drink much anymore to be honest with you. I, I don't have the biology for it really. If I have two drinks I feel like garbage the next day and my uh-huh. brain doesn't work well it just doesn't We've gotten old
2: guys we've got old
1: that's the truth Yeah Shh, sh- sh- I like tequila and I'll I'll drink it when the occasion calls for it but I'm not I'm not running to the tequila cabinet that often
2: tequila is the only thing my sister can drink too because you know it's like the agave it's a totally different
1: yeah, yeah totally it's barely booze.
0: we
2: it's, react differently yeah. all that kind of thing.
4: yeah right, it's a social
0: right. lubricant for sure but it's barely booze it's a different that's a different train I don't drink te- <laughs> tequila Uh yeah the wife kind of asked me to stop that one so we're not Tequilas, tequila and, and that other thing we were talking okay. about I stopped both of those so anyways um, <laughs> we are getting old and I'll admit that because I, I realized recently how, how comfy like I've been working from home for years just personally mm. but how comfy I've become with that the idea that I have to get up and drive to an office oh what up neighbor cat I don't know who you are he's you jumped into my window well sorry left turn anyways I how how comfortable I've become like I haven't put on like a dress shirt I mean besides this wedding I just went to in years literally I put on a, a button-down shirt I was like oh this sucks like the idea moving forward of working from home like is the idea of working from an office like is that kind of done for? You know what I mean? Like everybody's getting this huge taste of working from home. And I, I would argue that it's become beneficial for many different reasons. Do you just, I mean, Tanner, cause you can kind of speak to like the it version of it, but really all three of y'all, do you think just as a collective society, are we going to like try to work from home more as, as a society moving forward?
1: Yeah. I had a conversation with a young guy that's, that just graduated college and is sort of, te- <clears throat> sort of teetering on what he wants to do with his next stage of his professional life. And the industry that he was going to go into, I was trying to talk him out of, but the other industry that I told him would be a bad idea right now would be commercial real estate. I, I really, I, I don't know that businesses will go back. I think businesses will have a coffee shop environment. I don't, yeah. I think the concept of having your desk is probably over. It's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. It's, yeah. it's, it doesn't make sense. It's, a, and it's I, over, I think. You do lose. Okay. So as a salesperson, which we, you'll probably want to, we can kind of get into the background a little bit there, but I was a salesperson in my first jobs in, in like post-college life. And as a salesperson, you do a lot of like reading of the room when you're in the room Mm -hmm. and you lose so much of that vibe or that dynamic when you're over Skype. Like you, you don't, you don't pick up on social cues when this person is going to talk. I don't get to see their body language. You just don't, you don't get a feeling for the temperature of the room. And so I do think that, that, I think businesses are going to crave that certain businesses will still have to have it as part of their, their culture. Mm -hmm. Um, We're in this weird niche where it people, I mean, everything about talking about an industry in general is generalizing, but it people as a general rule work better from home than they do from the office. Like Mm -hmm. towards the end of our office lease, we had an office lease for three years and towards the end of it, I had a manager at the time that, that had managed a team at Dell that were all over the country. And he was like, man, you really need to consider letting people work from home. Maybe we don't need as big of an office. And I'm a social creature. So like I needed to be in the office and I've really, I resisted it for the longest time. And towards the end of the lease, he convinced me, let's just give it a month. Let's let people work from home a little bit, you know, two days a week. Let's see what happens. And so I was paying really sharp attention to the inter-office banter that I was afraid we'd be lacking. Mm-hmm. And it was always like super quiet in our office. Yeah, And mm-hmm. you'd look over at people and they're typing away on their laptop or on their desktop. And I look on Slack and they're talking to each other on Slack, Yep, like sitting next to each other. Yep. And so you, you realize like, okay, well, to build a good culture and camaraderie in an IT group full of IT people and full of. The opposing side of people, like the like the teacher example I gave you, where they are all personality. You build camaraderie via Slack. It's mm-hmm. wild yeah. to watch it happen. Like our culture is unbelievable when you watch it happen on Slack, and then when we get together in person, like you mentioned the East Siders thing. I forgot to answer that question. Oh, you just um, name.
0: I didn't expect you to say that.
1: Yeah, shout oh, out to yeah. the blood
0: orange East Siders. I love, dude. I yeah. love. Oh, it's I love so awesome
1: good. Yeah, Austin East Siders and Waterloo—the can I showed you—we've we've worked with both of them. We love both those companies. Hey,
0: both of y'all! But- if you want to sponsor this podcast, we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I know cannot put in a good word, East word for East it, guy. No. <laughs> yeah, but no, that's—I uh, I think it's huge because that's our generation, like specifically us and probably anybody yeah. under forty. Like, dude, actually, we used to like talk on AIM till yes. like two a.m., three oh, a.m., like I just talking that. about the Road Rules, Real World, or whatever the hell was else on MTV. Like, the yes, channel, I
2: also remember, yeah, I was I really like David Blaine and you, um, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is like bringing back memories and so who were you into? I like, remember, like, I, I literally remember being on aim when like Jennifer Lopez's first music video came out and Joseph and I talking about it. Like we would, spend our, we would spend our weekends and like every night, like just, All night. just chatting. Yeah.
0: Being social, but not having to talk, typing, and literally typing back. Because, dude, we use, like, my office. I'm in sales right now, Tanner. Like, my office, we slack all the time. Like, we are probably talking more. I, w- I would argue we're interacting more because I can literally be working and talking at the same time. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, if that's – whereas if I if you and I are actually talking, I can't then be also looking at numbers and crunching numbers and, then like, make a joke. Right. right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's – and maybe it's, maybe it's just – maybe it really is just our generation. We're the first ones to have that technology like socially or casually. Because like, we were doing it at like age 12-ish, 13-ish. Like we weren't, mm-hmm. at no point did I think this was going to help my professional life down the line. But now I can type like 100 words a minute Easy <laughs> because we used yeah. to just do that all the time, funny? like, yeah, like you it just, it just never
2: typing do... class, y'all. Yeah, it was yeah, so yeah. easy.
1: It was Mavis so easy. beacon. I had the Mavis Beacon, oh, piece man. CD yeah, wrong, yeah, CD wrong. Yeah,
0: so okay, so that brings me to this week's quiz. Uh, it's mostly about the idea of working from home, moving forward, or whatever. But uh, the title of this week's quiz is totally obscure, ridiculously nuanced. Analog computer language quiz. (laughs) Oh, gosh.
3: Torn-lack?
0: Torn ACL. Torn ACL. You Very good. (laughs) All for Tanner. What up, bro? All right. So, Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. You're welcome. I will never (laughs) forget the sound that that came out of your face. (laughs) The sound that came out of you when your ACL got shredded. Wow. Anyways, according to Payscale.com, what percentage of full-time employed Americans were working from home in the
1: year 2000 10 percent maybe five percent
2: yeah let's
0: go 15 seven uh 2.5 Wow 2. 5, yeah. same, same web send website payscale.com what percentage were working from home in 2015 uh, 30
4: 25.
0: Yeah,
3: nineteen something low still.
0: Three point 3, three. Okay. Oh, now, no way. Yeah, yeah. Now, what percentage right now? Modern day COVID, post oh, COVID. This article, like this, yeah. this article was like a year, like a, a couple months ago. Uh, what modern day COVID Americans, what percentage are working from home right now?
2: Forty. Eighty.
0: Yeah, I am going to say fifty-two, something like that. Forty-five. So yeah, I nice. Actually, close. But either way, yeah, forty. Wow. Five years ago, three percent. Right now, yeah. Damn. yeah, that's we made such a chasm jump. Like it's, but I well, think it, Google said
2: that their work from home until um, July twenty twenty one. Now they just went ahead and extended it all the way till till then. Um, yeah. I'm not what, surprised. Didn't
1: Facebook, didn't Facebook say they may not go back? I just I saw yeah. that ever. Yeah. And I ever. think
2: I have a friend that works at Dell. She said that they're already giving up office space. They're offloading office space. Um, I was, yeah. I mean, I was just thinking about when I, so t- it's funny. I should have known that the number was lower in 2015 when I was working for my old company. We were very much, I like this term, butts in seats.
4: Yeah. Like oh, you, you, you. That's yeah
2: you. you needed to be in the office. And even me were, so I worked for an extremely international company and, um, that it, it started to veer away because people were like, Well, hey, I have to get up, I have to be on calls with Asia or France, and like, yeah, like I'm not coming the into the office be, yeah. at 4 a.m. or whatever. A um, and so ha- having that kind of started to like it, just like you said, Tanner, so, because of the distributed environment, like it started yeah. to. Decrease a little bit, and then people found out. Oh, the productivity is is just as good. And one thing I'll say about work from home, and I, I'd be interested to hear you guys' perspective, is separating that work and home life balance is so hard, though, because I, having that office structure is kind of like, okay, you know, you go in, you're there, you're in your desk, you're collaborating, you're working from eight to five or what have you, and then you can kind of shut it off because I feel like you're focused. And then you come home and, you know, have dinner and do whatever. But now I've really found myself in that, like, you know, maybe I don't feel as productive in the afternoon. So I step away for an hour, then I come back, and then I pick up my computer at 8, 9, 10. That's, that's a little bit different, difficult, I would say.
0: Interesting. E, is yours? You, do you feel the way? I mean, I don't
3: have that just as a person who works on anything. I don't have that thing where I go back and I'm like, oh, I need to keep working. At 4 <laughs> o'clock, let's do this dude is... Done. <laughs> I am not thinking about that anymore. But it's interesting you're talking about the telework thing. Like I work in the public sector, right? And the public sector is not known for being at the cutting edge and forefront of modern thinking when it comes to business. <laughs> but even we are starting to do like work from home, permanently virtual, that kind of thing. So like, oh yeah, if the public sector is starting to do it, like it yeah. is going to be a thing.
1: For yeah, sure. it's a thing. We we had some kind of holdout customers, sort of the the butts and seats mentality types that they traditionally, I mean, these are 40 year old companies that have always had people working from the office. So it was like, no, we're, there's just no, there's no way we're ever going to start working from home. And COVID was this forcing function of like, well, now you don't have the choice. Either either you're going to close down your business or you're going to figure this shit out. And so I think, I think you're seeing so many of that kind of old school leadership group now realizing oh wait a minute like maybe we don't have to spend 20 grand a month on this office in westlake
4: absolutely we yeah. can just
1: let people work from home and we can get like a cool sort of a quirky office on the east side for a third of that and just mm-hmm. make it a coffee shop environment yeah yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. go and do that table and I, was, that's all you need.
3: I was talking to a buddy of mine who works in chicago for like um hundreds and hundreds almost billion dollar company and he was saying like their yearly revenue is like 70, 80 million dollars, and they spend 15 million dollars a year on office space commercial rent. Yeah. yeah.
4: Right. And, so you and so now they're like, you don't
3: 15, need to do 20%, that. 20%. Yeah. That's Just like a bottom huge line. deal. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I I've can't got not uh, a
1: good time to be in commercial real estate. No, I, I've got yeah, a, a mini rant on that.
0: Uh, so go with me here. But obviously, working from home has only really been a viable option since, like, the internet. You know, unless you're like a writer or an in-home daycare, or you know, like an any of right. arms dealer assembling, you know, shotguns in your basement. <laughs> Besides those three, everybody so did, of those, yeah, you know, yeah. everybody else did have to do butts and seats. Like that was a thing. Like until about 2012, uh, according to uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, in 2012, more of half. More than half of America's jobs required technological skills. And uh, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics right now, it's almost 77% of all modern day jobs require computer skills of some kind. So, I mean, to be fair, humans are, I don't know, anywhere from, say, roughly 200,000 years old, depending on, and I don't care what anybody believes or not. That's not the point. But, you know, give or take, whatever. So, I mean, we've only had computers for, like, 30 years, maybe? Yeah. That's 0.001% of all human history. It is brand new. So, we are like children. Much like my daughter, whom I've brushed her teeth now for basically three years in a row. Now that's I am the old school butts and seats in this analogy. I, you know, not so much receiving them. You know what I mean. Seven hundred ish days in a row, I've brushed her teeth. Last week, she suddenly said, "I want to brush my teeth by myself." And my knee-jerk reaction was, "Absolutely not! I'm brushing your teeth. I'm brushing your teeth. brush, <laughs> brush, 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 brush." And then I started to realize, why am I forcing this? It's actually easier for me once you learn how to do it yourself, and it saves me time. Whereas the butts and seats guys, it saves them money. Much like the Chicago example, e. like you say, it's it's actually better for everyone. Sure, it's a slow start, and sure, it's hard to get over it, and all that, whatever. But it'll be great in the future when everybody's so. So, I mean, the stage we're in right now as Americans, or really worldwide, it's still so new. The people in charge haven't really, like, you know, and until they're forced to, they haven't really accepted that there's actually positives to that. Well, there's plenty of data that, that, that A, you're saving money, but it's also better for, like, the, your human being of a worker. It's better for their health and their well-being. It's better for productivity. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of Scrooge-like bosses out there. They're going to hate this, but so many... So many of these studies are literally showing that you're actually a better, more productive worker for people like Ashley that can come and go and get their you know I mean so <laughs> basically the people like you know the the cigar smoking suit wearing penny pinchers, you know, like Tanner, I assume, they're the <laughs> that ones mean, yeah. that are pushed yeah. down on their employees. And just <laughs> <God>. and, man, <laughs>
1: awful.
0: But that's the idea. That's kind of the, yeah. that's the hinge point that we're at as society. And I, I think it's I think it's it's fun, it's interesting, it's a kind of the wild frontier. But here's where I don't know where to draw the line. Because I think as adults, any and all of us, certainly the four of us and all six people listening, I think we can all agree that we can all, we all can work from home. I trust myself to regulate myself, work and whatever. Here's the question though. How about kids in school? Because I don't know where to draw the line there. I don't know if a nine-year-old is ready to online learn all day. And I don't have any data here. I'm just going to ask because Eric, you're kind of in the position where you might have some information here. What, What are your thoughts? What do you know? And what are your thoughts on it?
3: Well, I do work in governmental oversight of schools, essentially, so I do see a lot of this. And the data more or less says that like, if you are under the grade of like five, you are not good at working on the computer. It's just not going to work. It's not going to help you. You are not going to advance as a human being, more or less, by doing that. And so part of the big problem, at least in Texas, is that in order for schools to get funding you have to have attendance, right? So mm. your daily attendance at a school, that is what generates the amount of money your school gets. So measuring that in a virtual environment is exceedingly difficult. Ooh. Wow. Ooh. So the idea then is like, well, if you think about special ed kids, like how do you do a special ed course online, right? How do you do bilingual stuff online even is difficult too, right? Like all those kind of things, um, occupational therapy, physical therapy, and then also, it's very important to remember that a lot of students, the only place that they can count on getting a meal is at school.
4: Yeah, oh,
2: uh, God. that breaks I forget my heart. that
0: so much, and I hate that.
3: So one of the first things that people did when COVID happened was figure out how to distribute lunches, right? Because they're like, look, even if we don't know what we're going to do with school, we have to feed them. God. So that is one thing they started doing. And then essentially... I do think kids are going to have to go back to school partially because of the funding and partially because school is in part a social thing to where you learn how to deal with social situations and different people and all that kind of stuff. As much as you grow academically, you grow socially in school. And so you doing that online, even if your future employment is going to be virtual, you still need to have those social skills.
2: Yeah, in those formative years. For
1: exactly, sure. exactly. <laughs> I think you could you could take that argument one step further too and say that physically and like the way somebody's immune system works, yep. being mm-hmm. not around other people is not mm-hmm. good for you. Like there's y- y- if you take your kids around other kids right now, they're going to get sick because they haven't been around anybody. Like they don't have any, any immunity built up to anything. So like mm-hmm. you have to have that time to build those things up socially and you know physically too and get chicken pox and uh, all of it like that's that's literally <laughs> hey, you gotta get it now is
2: there i think there's a vaccine for chicken pox now i don't oh,
1: think is
4: kids
2: get a, or is there well you have kids i don't know i don't i is there, oh, is there a vaccine to, for i chicken would have pox to go now?
0: wake up my wife to ask anybody. there <laughs> is a vaccine <laughs> for chicken pox i don't yeah. know if
3: it's required for schools though that's those are different things right oh yeah like i don't know if schools if they're part of the immunization requirements or not I probably should, but I don't. God, that's a whole. Because when we time
2: were time growing up, like you were encouraged to get chicken. Yeah, you're supposed to eat.
3: get it because if you like get it when you're older, it. yeah.
2: Yeah, when I got it, I was like, my my mom like puts me next to my sister so she gets it kind of thing. Right. Yeah.
1: Exactly. I just get it off like a band aid.
0: Yeah. So I don't have like a great left turn here, but I mean, I kind of want to do circle back to like some of the some of the female issues or you know whatever that we were going. Well,
3: America's number one conservative podcast show. So so (laughs) it's important we pick out people, and and I want to make (laughs) sure we are coming at them right. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But I mean, literally, like the, the the way the society is evolving, and I'm so glad that my daughter can come up in a time where she can see at least in politics there's become like the the quote-unquote squad you know the, mm. the, the women that are now l- trying to mm. run the show at least certainly hopefully get it back to a place like wait, actually do you, and I mean, i'm only asking you because you are you you're the you're america's number one most conservative podcast you are the female voice, yeah, uh, I'm, the female voice congrats, I'm the female voice
2: congrats
3: you're the ann girl. coulter of this podcast
2: oh <laughs> I can't I, I wait say- for one day this to all get taken out of context.
3: Oh yeah, it's like, yeah. Be so good. you just put this in print; it's a problem.
0: Yeah, Big yeah, exactly. Problem. Big yeah. problem. But yeah, I, I would say actually, you might be uh, the—I I can't even say your name. I'm going to butcher it. AOC is all I can really AOC. say. AOC. Yeah, I would say you're the AOC of the show. Uh, yeah, yeah so-
2: <laughs> that's the highest compliment I've ever received. <laughs> um, yeah, I mentioned—I mentioned her. I, I told Joe I wanted to talk about this a little bit, and this is uh, like—I I love that it's um. I mean, even the way I'm going to preface it is just to her point, totally and completely. So you boys, men, excuse me, men have probably not seen um, Vogue has a little YouTube channel where women who are usually models, actresses, influencers, um, you know, show their latest and greatest beauty tips. And AOC was featured um, a week or so ago. And for any females who are interested, or men for that matter, um, I encourage you to watch it. Actually, I would really encourage men to watch it because as she's basically Vogue sends these women a camera in whatever place they're saying, you know, staying at a fancy like ring light and they do their like makeup routine in the mirror and talk to you about, you know, whatever projects they've got coming up. And AOC largely um, took the time to talk about, like, women in the workplace and, I mean, enlightened me on a lot of issues that, of course, I thought about, but, you know, she just obviously laid out so clearly and uh, just kind of brought to light things like you you, that you don't think about. For instance, just talking about these work-from-home situations, well, now we're on Zoom calls, um, which is great for, it takes your commuting time down, but, you know, if I wake up and haven't brushed my hair, haven't put on any makeup or mascara like I have on now, I look a little different. And there have been some meetings where I was like, you know, I just needed that extra hour of sleep for my 8am meeting. And I was totally prepared for that meeting, but I get on, I'm leading it. I'm, you know, and somebody, you know, of course, inevitably will be like, are you okay? Are you tired? (laughs) And it's just like, it's, you know, it's, it's, those are the kinds of things that women kind of have to, so it's like, okay, then, you know, do I have to wake up that extra hour to shower, to curl my hair, to put on a face of makeup in order for somebody to not ask me those questions or wonder if I'm sick for this
4: meeting? No, that's <sighs> wow.
2: um, and then on top of that, you just factor into um, what's loosely called the pink tax, which is, you know, the, the cost of makeup, the cost of usually women's um dry cleaning, like a blouse is more expensive than a men's shirt. Um, so if you, you know, if you are in a situation where you're going to an office and you have to put on a suit, like just the cost of your suit getting dry cleaned versus a men's is more expensive. And then, um, you know, take into account menstruation products. Sure. you know, know, have you ever thought, have you ever thought about leading a meeting while you're suffering from Abdominal cramps that make you want to keel over. <laughs> you don't I, get to. I
0: have all, only because I that, was super hungover leading a meeting. And that was awesome. But that's there, only there because go. I did that to myself. Whereas but every yeah,
4: month on cue. Yeah, that's uh, really
0: not a, yeah, uh, it's not a choice.
2: Oh, it's not a choice. And then you then compiled all on top of that. Um, so paying for women's feminine products, the way you look and dress and whatever. And then the fact that women are systemically paid less than men on top of all that. It just becomes very. It makes the the whole thing. I think women are paid seventy three cents to the dollar um, of men, and then women of color, it's even worse. So, um, yeah, it's just like you, you you think about. It just brings to light a little bit, you know, the things that women have had to do to get to where we are now, and and how much farther we have to go. And in terms, you know, pay equality is like number one to me should be a huge, uh, focus. And my colleague is, um, that I mentioned before, she's, you know, one of my best friends in the world and she works in Sweden. Um, salaries are public information. So just the way, um, Oh, well, Eric's saying, yeah, his is too. So like government employees, but, but people in general in in Sweden, your, your, your salary is public information. So it leaves a lot less uh, margin of error for people being able to skew, um, you know, people in the same position for different uh, pay scales based on gender, which would be great. If it's that.
0: still a thing. Like, it, it really, it really, it's, it's amazing that that is still happening today. But I would only point <laughs> out, as shit, I mean, no, it shouldn't be. Like, I, I can't believe I forget that we are still sexist and racist as a people. Like, I fucking yeah, can't. I know. But I will point out as one thing, as America's uh, number one most conservative podcast, um, our POTUS wears a shit ton of makeup, madame. Let's just be clear his makeup budget must be thousands. <laughs> Good month. and point. his hair looks amazing can we just say That's that on good. record uh amazing but no it, it's it's seriously like the, the, the other day uh because Sarah still has to work uh my wife still has to work in an office and the other day she literally woke up like a little bit late and she was like hey can you do because like we share mm-hmm. responsibilities in, in the morning of like you know she'll either do breakfast and I'll get the kids dressed or vice versa or whatever she was hey can you get can you
4: take
0: well I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. Uh, but no, so she literally was like, hey, can you just, can you just take, can you just do, you know, everything today because I've got to take a shower and do my hair. And I was just like, oh, fuck. Like, I, do you yeah. know the amount of times I've woken up hungover as shit, not shaved, not done my hair, not done the Brush your teeth. shirt on. I mean, I've I've skipped teeth on occasion, I, and just went <laughs> to work and shirt, and nobody said anything. Literally, no. nobody said a word. Not there. You feeling okay? Not that, you look unwell. Nothing. Whereas if she did, she would absolutely get all that shit. Which is why I don't get it. I, I don't. It, my only question would be, I guess, if women collectively decided we're done, makeup is done, hair is done, we're not doing it ever again. How long would no, it take I totally. to agree? We would just eventually evolve past it. Like, it, I mean, in I, six yeah, months, we'd all just be like, I guess we're all right. I guess that's, and, you know, it would just reset. You know what I mean? Like, it's not fair to say that you would have to do that to then get to, you know, you deserve the equality without that. But I wonder if that would be a thing. You know what I mean? Like, if they we would need just all control back. Yeah,
4: yeah. Like, you
2: know. Well, and AOC called out specifically that apparently there's been studies that show that women who do show up in full glam, if that's what you want to call it, hair, makeup, whatever, um, are actually paid more than women who don't. So it, then it's like, it's like well how and that just I guess feeds into the patriarchy like it's it's perceived as that's an you know an attractive asset that's then um glorified and uh, rewarded in some way and so the cycle continues so it is it's it's a, it's a weird thing to think about
0: really when I'd you're say just trying just- to do your job Attractive <laughs> people versus ugly people. I'd say attractive people probably get handed a lot more in life. But that's Be- probably – Speaking as, a, hair as hair. a member of the ugly team, we don't get handed oh, <laughs> as much. That's, that's <laughs> but no, like Your I beard would, is
1: beautiful. Y'all. Y'all. What are Can you talking you, about? No,
0: I, would, I would argue that's probably a male and female thing. Like If you show up looking good versus you show up in sweats, I'd imagine you're just taken more serious. Like Do you, you
1: think
2: just, that's
3: that – Fair enough. So it's interesting talking about that within the context of the IT field, right? Because mm-hmm. – I wonder if those truths hold in the culture of it as much as they do in other cultures. Mm. What
4: well, I, th- I think they do
2: in a sense that like, um, and that the it world is similar in the film world where it's just like, it is so heavily male dominated. So right. I think, I think it's kind of like what I said. I think it's um, you know, if you, but although I, and I almost kind of am counteracting my thoughts in my head, double edged sword. It just, I guess it depends on who you're dealing with. On the one hand, you know, if you're dealing with a, you know, classic male situation, probably, you know, an attractive female is, is going to garner a little bit more attention than one who's not. But then on the other side, it's kind of like, are you taken seriously then? You know, it's almost the kind of like, I don't want to say blonde bimbo stereotype, but you know, like if you show up looking like a Barbie doll, it's like, Oh, is anybody going to take you seriously talking about analytics and numbers and technical, you know, criteria, whatever. Um, it's, you're just screwed either way.
4: <laughs> yeah. The it's, it's <laughs>
2: like, weird system i we, we've created. Wonderful managers and, and, <clears throat> and, you know, great experiences myself, but it, yeah, but it, you know, it can be hard.
0: It's a weird system for sure. So, Tanner, what do That's you hard. do to combat this
1: injustice going on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. I feel like y'all are throwing me real softballs. I should have read the question before I came in. That was a real mistake. I don't believe no, It's mean, on there. I, nah. It, it, no. Yeah, like like with everything that I've said this far, like I I give disclaimers first. My disclaimer is like I, I've got a my formal education is in marketing and my background is in sales. And I started a company and something that I had virtually no experience in. So like asking me to talk about gender pay gaps and like social dynamics and patriarchy like I'm the least qualified person in the room to talk about it for sure mm-hmm, but no, like you're on the right podcast yeah, oh my guy yeah no you're yeah you're about yeah, good, your good. but you know there's there's a lot to unpack there and and there's some of what what Ashley said that I would agree with there's some of it that I think like are you familiar with the I think it's called Ocam's razor yeah. like the the simplest thing is what is it like the simplest explanation is the right one or generally right yeah Mm yeah there's there's a there's sort of a a derivation of that quote i think that says do not attribute to malice what can be attributed to stupidity Mm -hmm. and there's a certain extent of like and this can be this can be said of a lot of what's going on socially right now given also i don't pay much attention to what's going on socially but if we lead with grace first, like maybe somebody asking if somebody feels well, because they're not wearing makeup today and they have been for the last three weeks and they look different mm-hmm. and a dude that doesn't pay attention to, to me- uh, makeup tutorials, even though my wife makes them on Instagram, like that's probably somebody being stupid and putting their foot in their mouth and maybe not like a, a total remnant of the patriarchy, or maybe it is like, I look, I, I'm not a, a
2: no and that's totally fair
1: cultural psychology both that was the thing yeah well and sure and that's the thing is like when you're dealing with an individual
4: Mm
1: -hmm. understanding that individual's intent and maybe leading with grace would probably do us all a hell of a lot of good you know and 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 saying like trying to paint with broad brushes on social dynamics when we're still in such an infancy of like something as important as the scientific method, right? We just got these tools for how to figure out how to do things and like get our own biases and our own tribalism and our own like genetic predisposition has something to do with it too. Like getting those things out. Yeah, we should absolutely make an effort to do that. Like we should be constantly striving to improve on areas where certain people are put in buckets that they cannot escape. For sure that needs to be focused on but to not start that discussion by saying not everything is sexism or not everything is this guy is against me because I'm a white male or because I'm a black female. Like if we can start by just talking to somebody face to face and saying, Ashley, I didn't mean to say anything about your, the way you look today. I was making sure you felt okay. And understanding that like, man, maybe I didn't mean to put my foot in my mouth, but I'm an idiot too. So I'll put my foot in my mouth sometimes. I, I just feel like we'd be a little bit better off maybe. I don't know.
2: Yeah. And I, I, I don't disagree with you there. And I, I do think, you know, I think a lot of, you know, that was just one small example of, you know, something, but I think it, um, I think it just goes back to the point of, you know, kind of like Joe said, it's like he's never been asked that question and you just kind of have to like step out and think like, Even, even as, even as innocent, and I'm sure that it actually was, I, in that moment, I really do believe that that question was with full sincerity. And, and of course I care, but I, I, I have personal caring relationships for my colleagues and I know they do for me, but you, you know, when you're somebody that experiences that kind of thing over time, it, it starts to, you know, it can do those things where it it creeps in like self-doubt or, you know, when somebody Ask you that, does that make you any less capable of doing your job? And it, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's compiled over time. And that's what people who, you know, minority, I good God. I mean, I've had it, there's, I have nothing to complain about, but, you know, just a small segment of, you know, what people I think who in suppressed or minority categories feel like, um, but, but I, you know, but I hear you loud and clear and, these, I think as long, these are why we're having these conversations, right? And that's why Joe's got us on this podcast is to kind of open up, have the uncomfortable conversations, hear from other people's perspective and, uh, you know, try to be better every day. That's all we can do, right?
1: That's Yeah. Way. And for the record, like I, I, I have a tendency to lean into these conversations and it's not like a, it's not like I enjoy getting into debates for the sake of having a debate, but I'm a 34 year old dude that was raised in Austin, Texas. And like my life's been pretty damn good. So I know there's a lot of things I don't know. And so if I'm surrounding myself with people that only think and talk and act like me, who I, it just creates this echo chamber, right? Right. If I have relationships with people that are nuanced and they have different ideas than I do about certain things, and I spend enough time with them in conversation that I built up this level of requisite, like trust. Mm-hmm. That I can say, hey, I'm. I feel a little differently than you do on this topic. Let's explore this, and it can be done in a context where, like, if I start talking about females in tech, I don't have to automatically like try to polish up my words so I don't get barbs thrown at me. Like, Absolutely. if you go, I know all all three of y'all, so I don't come into this conversation like I'm getting interviewed on a on a news station by people I don't know, I'm right. talking to friends and totally if I feel open to talk about the ways that I might be predisposed to being racist or <laughs> sexist or whatever, like
4: mm-hmm.
1: I have blind spots. It's the nature of a blind spot. Yeah, you don't see yeah. a blind spot. Right. So I have to surround myself with a, a small group of people that I trust really intensely to say, what, <laughs> where am I fucked up? Cause I know for sure I <laughs> yeah. am. Yeah. I just need to know that, you know, you're not gonna judge me as a person for it. Oh like,
2: God, that's the farthest.
1: Yeah, I just like that you do enjoy
0: leaning into these conversations. I think we all do, it's the four of us specifically. But I, I think that has a lot to do with, it, honestly, our our high school uh, yeah. being it having. Daily God discussions as a child, at least for me, nurtured a, a a desire to have more deeper conversations. Like I still enjoy talking sports and talking, you know, just bullshit pop culture. Fine, which I'm realizing I, I know less and less about pop culture. <laughs> these, whenever Ashley and Eric know things that I don't, but I think we've been somewhat conditioned or so much at least just opened up to the idea that there are real conversations to be had, and that's in my opinion where the, the best conversations. That's where it's where the best subject matters. you know real information gets dug up like genuinely earlier when actually just you and tanner were talking like literally that's probably the best segment the show's ever had but it was real as opposed to just trading information and not really digging in so so with that said and on purpose with that said uh tanner do you mind if we dig into a, a little bit of god talk sir
1: I mean, as long as I can give my disclaimers, I'm good with any topic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't <laughs> absolutely. know shit about anything, so you Perfect. can ask me anything you want.
0: This is all just what do you believe? Because genuinely, I don't want to talk anybody into or out of anything as that I know Ashley and Eric are on the same page. Except for Vance. Well, yeah.
1: That's what are trying <laughs> yeah, we're
0: Collect- Are there off-limits
1: topics for Vance? So no, Vance is no. atheist.
0: We're trying to convert him. We've all been trying to convert him. It's it's a joke, but and it's,
3: it's mostly true. because you can't convince he's an, you atheist. Can't, you can't. He's yeah, an atheist.
0: can't. Yeah, he is an atheist. Shit, you can't. You can't change. Yeah, he can tell you the sky is red, and then he's going to believe for the rest. Yeah, he's of
3: the like, do agree to disagree?
0: Yeah, that's fine. So,
1: <laughs> so with that said, uh, Tanner, you believe in God? I'll tell you what I believe in. I well, man, that's a deep question, right? Um especially coming, man, we'd really have to go deep on this one. How yeah. much time do we have? <laughs> <Three more laughs> hours. My
3: computer dies.
1: Yeah. Till uh, the okay. End, sir. Yeah. My, my earbuds are going to keep dying. So I may have to run and like, go get a, a pair of wired headphones, <laughs> You're good. but, um, man, I, so I'm going to have to go back to some like foundational things for me to really appropriately answer that question. Is that okay? Yeah. Oh yeah. Dude. So I never went to a public school. Okay. And I was raised in a household. My mom was raised Catholic, like staunch Catholic, sort of, I guess she would probably call it converted to Christianity when she was in her mid-20s. There's, you know, you're, you're kind of splitting hairs in terms there, but was raised Southern Baptist for all intents and purposes. And so I went to a small private school in Round Rock until I was a sophomore, transferred to Hyde Park as a sophomore. graduated high school there and then went to Mary Harden Baylor for college. So like Forest Chapel was the only thing I knew, right? You just went to chapel. Mm -hmm. And I think that when I got to college, probably when I got out of college more so, I sort of started to realize that all of my sort of founding principles, I thought were things that I carried with me as just sort of remnants of my childhood. Right. And I see all three of you grinning, so I know you probably have some some mixture of this yeah, yourself. To
0: be fair, I was grinning at Ashley's cat. I yeah, it's also the cat. <laughs>
1: <on belief laughs> Mine were well, was Ashley's. had a very interesting, in my opinion, on religion. So no, 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 sorry. <laughs> but yeah. no, I think
3: we all. I think mean, yes, everybody though has that foundational thing that they're sort of figuring out as they get older. Yeah, right? the, that's
1: part, part of the human. A, okay, so that that's where I'm at. Like where where I have. What I have struggled with for so long is that all of my knee-jerk tendencies surrounding the topic of faith are things that I know are baked into me from childhood. And there's a lot of shit that's baked into me from childhood, that stuff that I've tried to like purposefully rid myself of Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. I have an aversion to because they're not healthy for me. And so you get to this point sort of in your transition into adulthood, which I honestly, I catch a lot of shit from my friends because they, they, They don't believe that I had a wild streak when I was younger or that I – like that I wasn't always a kid that made good decisions. I just – so much of what I think I am now as a man I've come to in like the last two years I feel
3: like. Oh, interesting.
1: Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Like I'm really – It's really interesting though. I'm grappling with deeper topics now because I'm realizing like, uh, I probably need to have a, an opinion on this. Mm. Like if I have a firm opinion on a topic that's way less trivial than whether or not there's a God. Yeah. yeah. I probably ought to spend some time with it formulating an opinion on whether or not there's a God. Right. Like,
3: what do you think led to that impetus? Like, what do you think led to you being like, you know what? I really need to figure this out right now. Do you think yeah, kids are a part of it? it or do you think man, it was just that's a time in
1: your life? Yeah. It's why you're it's, on it's, the showy. goddamn it, With, Anything that's a really good question. With anything important in my life, it's never one thing that was the impetus to get led to it. It was like the cumulative effect of of hearing different things from different people, and and like sort of reaching this conclusion for myself of what truth is. Yeah. Like I'll give you an example. We have a picture of a family member in our house. That when it was put up, I saw that picture and I was like. That's not that person. And it was before I realized what Instagram or uh, what were the filters that you could, like, you can sort of make your eyes a little bit bigger. Yeah. And yeah. A little bit oh, bigger. yeah. Snapchat whole... stuff. Snapchat,
4: Snapchat yeah, snap,
1: yeah. Before I knew what Snapchat filters were. But I looked at this picture and I was like, that's not that person. That's been filtered.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I think there's a there's a correlation between that simple Ooh, thing idea and your st- brain's turn. ability to recognize truth when you see it okay. however you reach it like this is way deeper than y'all wanted to get nope. Nope. no not it's right like no, in our not. wheelhouse yeah. my guy and
2: that's a great analogy by the way
1: yeah yeah it. so like there are things that i recognize as truth and if you want to call them my truth like that's fine that, that's kind of a chintzy term for it because i think there are things that are just fundamentally true that are sort of inescapable.
3: We've talked about absolutes but, on this before.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, and that's, that's, it's hard to speak in any absolutes, but like there are things that for me to experience life to what I would consider the fullest version of it, I can live. I have to have as foundational truths or else it's not worth putting up with the bullshit. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's really, and yeah. so, no, so like, I mean, this is, this is going to get, this is getting way off topic, but this topic of God is, one that is so fundamental to so many people that I care about's whole ecosystem. Like my mom, it's something my mom and I have butted heads about a lot is that like, we can't have a conversation without God being a part of the conversation. Like I want to have a conversation without God popping into it. But then I realize it's probably more my own having not grappled with that topic that's popping up in my annoyance. It's not my mom being annoying. It's, it's me just being. Very sensitive. empathetic, but I like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It sucks, man. I don't like being that way. I'd rather be blind to it and just think it's. <laughs> so it's, it's, being, it's... Man, being woke's a bitch. You're <laughs> a feeler. Sucks. You're a feeler. That's awesome. yeah. yeah. But it's, you know, the, so I'll, I'll, I'll circle this back to my answer about God. There's a, there's a guy who publishes a lot of content that has a, an answer on this topic of God that I like a whole lot. And his answer has always been, when I've heard him speak to it, if I live my life as though the God of the Bible is real, and I end up in a better place than I would have by living by those principles, then I, then I would have if I hadn't lived by them, then what do you care whether I think it's an actual physical person in the sky or not?
3: Yeah, okay, yeah.
1: Like if it if it manifests itself in my life in such a way that the people I come into contact with are bettered for having come into contact with me and I'm able to do more good in the world, you know, even on a small scale like running a small company,
4: mm-hmm.
1: if my position on God and the way that I live my life leads me into a direction that I'm better than I would have been if I didn't get to that point, then Maybe I don't have to have a deeper answer than that. So that was like my foundational, okay, like that's that. something I can get behind. Because there's, like like it or not, whether you're militantly atheist or not, the artifacts we have in written text is the Bible. So to not just appreciate like the mysticism of this document that we have that's like older than anything else we know that's written down almost and that has you know, sold more copies than any other book written to not understand like at a at a at a historical level or an archaeological level Mm -hmm. the how amazing that is that we have this thing and like maybe we should study it like let's let's pull all of the the bastardization of that document that some religions bake into it. All religions and just appreciate at a fundamental level the fact that we have a thousand year old document that we can read that has survived cultures coming and going and like maybe there's some truth in there that we can recognize like that instagram photo like maybe there's some concepts in there that if we really understand them even just at like a like a metaphorical level even if you don't take them literally if it ends us up in a better place for having looked at it that way then it has function like it's (laughs) It needs to be looked at that way. And that's that's not to say that that's not exclusive of other historical artifacts either. It's just like on the topic of God, if that's the conclusion I reached, that there's truth to be found in this document if you look at it a certain way and to just write it off as this old fairy tale book that, you know, has survived all that it's survived is kind of a reductionist way to look at it, right?
3: Hmm. Yeah. If you just dismiss the enormous influence of this thing that has lasted and shaped people for thousands of years, then you're probably missing something, right?
1: Yeah. And think about what we know today that we didn't know 10 years ago. Yeah. That we would have said 10 years ago, there's no way. Right. Like, hell, in the last six months. Yeah, Totally. How much of what you know today is truth? Would you have told yourself six months ago is fucking lunacy? Exactly. Like yeah. a lot, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to think that we know what the Bible as an artifact is, or the s- significance of it to our species, like there's a lot of hubris in that thought, right? That's true. Like, I think it, we just funny. we don't know, man. And there, then I and think... then you get into topics like. It, sorry to. No, no, please interrupt. You. No, no no, 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 go. Like, On the God topic, anybody that's ever done mushrooms as an adult, I know we, we may not want to go here, but like, I do, if you're, if if, (laughs) I'm not a person that, that has been into drugs at all my entire life. Like it's something I've had a real aversion to, because I think I probably have a, a predisposition to be addicted to things, but if you've ever done any psychedelic. Like you, you get to a point even on something like edible marijuana, but you get to a point where you realize like, man, for me to, to have any firmly held opinions is really fucking stupid. Like there's, there's so much going on that I have no idea about. And to not look at the whole world with that level of awe and like to be, to be inspired by the fact that there's so much that I don't know. And to let that lead me into conversations that make me uncomfortable, that I know that I'm going to be better for having had the conversation, like my life would be really dull if I didn't lean into that kind of thing. Right? Yeah, bro.
2: I love so, that for for two things. I, I think Vance may have said it on my podcast. The first one that I joined was, um, it's just so amazing to see how much we've all grown and changed over the last, what, 15 years since we graduated. Yeah. Yeah, 16 years, um, which is incredible. And then secondly, um, I totally feel you on that. The not knowing is such a comfort to me. And as I got older, I got into that same kind of mindset of being really comfortable like I don't have to have this all figured out. I don't need to have all the answers and kind of letting that go is such a freeing and mind opening and really comforting um, experience actually.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there there are so few certainties. Like, I need food, I need oxygen, I need water, I need shelter. Anything else, certainly in today's world, I could probably pull up my phone. God, say, I could pull up my phone and find articles that say you're right and articles that say you're wrong. Like, there are uncertainties certainties to then to take a leap to say, and I actually really appreciated, because even though Dylan and I probably disagree on a lot of the details of the God Talks we had last week, I appreciated that he said, anyone that says that they're certain is kidding themselves. And Mm -hmm. that that's the thing that I've been trying to get at with any and all of these God talks. And so far, everybody has more or less uh, admitted to that, that like, look to say that I know anything about the true nature of what God is, if God is, is a joke. But what 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 well, is It wouldn't be called faith been- or
3: religion if it was certain. You know what I mean? Like those That's- words don't allow for that certainty.
0: That's what intrigues me so much. It's the idea that we as Americans have this thing we call God or, you know, whatever. But every culture, pretty much the world over since forever, has something that they call bigger than them. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Something about the species of humanity draws us to either want it to be true or think it to be true. Because even Vance admits, and he's the most staunch atheist I've ever met, he admits that he wants it to be true. He says that there is, if, if there could be, he would want to believe it. He just hasn't found any facts yet. And to be fair, I don't have any facts on the matter either. It's the idea that you would want it to be true is, is I think, that the, the underlying arc of all of this. So, Tanner, here's my next question, if you don't mind my asking.
1: No, ask away. If you
0: could open a door right now that proved anything you believe is right or wrong, that proves that either God exists or Jesus exists or Jesus doesn't exist or heaven exists or heaven doesn't you could open a door and it gives you all of the answers. Would you open it?
1: Man, I would distrust the person that tells me to open this door. And oh, <laughs> like, that's, it's, I mean, it, that's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> Good yeah. answer. I mean, that's a great that's, answer. It's a, fun, it's a fun exercise to go through. And, like, I could say that if there's a shooter, you know – an active shooter in a building like i'm gonna act this way oh yeah i'm gonna open yeah. that door like i don't, I don't you know, know I get it it's, it's hard yeah. to say so i, I would way. say yeah i mean i think that to to not pursue truth mm-hmm. it's it'd be really difficult to not end up in nihilism exactly like this whole like this way of thinking that well it just nothing really matters like when you die you just Go away, anyways. Like it, it would be really hard for somebody like me to not end up very, very nihilistic if I didn't believe in the concept of something being absolutely true, right? But I'm also Ashley. You mentioned something that I think is is spot on accurate to the way that I feel. the The fact that I don't know some things, and the fact I'm becoming more comfortable as an adult with the concept that. There's a lot of stuff I don't know, and I'll never know. Like I will never know for sure what's going to happen after this life, for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. That okay, I need to spend some time grappling with that topic so I I have a way to talk to my kids about it, you know, and and my friends about it, and mm. you know, be able to bring up mushrooms in a conversation awkwardly. And like, <laughs> I, I need to I need to know what that means to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can leave my family, if nothing else, but also like to not think that there's such a thing as truth, and that it's all you know. There, there's there's no way to prove it, so why even consider it to be true? Like there's a lot of shit I can't prove that I pretty I'm just well know having. It's true.
4: I'm having
2: like an epiphany now because I've done what four of these podcasts now, Joe.
1: Hopefully,
4: more. and
2: Eric, and uh, I feel like with these conversations it's, there's some kind of like theme that seems to run through all of our thought process. And I wonder if like, if it's because we had that shared experience with Hyde Park that, um, and I, I'm hesitant to even say, I mean, I'm just thinking like the things that we all grapple with or, you know, have come to moments of realization as adults. Um, some, sometimes I think, you know, cause I've had those moments myself where I, you know, there've been things that, I feel, Tanner, like you said, over the last two years or so, I feel like I've really progressed into the person that I feel comfortable being and really, really feel like a fully realized woman. And maybe that just comes with age, but I wonder if a lot of um, just the kind of topics and things that we're thinking about uh, were things that we had to work through from from a, a shared experience. I have no idea, but but there's some interesting, like there's some themes that people have brought up that we've talked about in these conversations that seem to all be ringing true. And it's it's stringing things together for me in my mind.
1: (laughs) Okay, so for you, when you look at that, Ashley, can I ask you a question? Yeah, please. So when you look at the fact that we're all now grappling with these topics in our mid Mm thirties because of the way we were raised in childhood, do you look on that as like a, man, we were, we were really set back as, as kids. And now we're 34 years old having to grapple with the topic of God. Or do you look at it as as like a, a fond thing?
2: I look at it incredibly positively because I'm, um, I'm a very social creature as well. And I, I feel very lucky in my life to have met uh, so many people from so many different walks of life. I mean, having lived in a foreign country, um, working in like the film industry before and just a lot of different people in socioeconomic race, you know, all different kinds of places. And I feel like the base I'll never regret that the basis kind of like what Joe said, the basis that um, Hyde Park specifically gave us and, and my upbringing as well, just being comfortable with that conversation and kind of, even if it's not what you believe today, I think I said before, like, I do believe that we're spiritual, mental, physical, and emotional beings. So having those four tenets of your, you know, this human experience enlightened and, and recognized and talked about helps you to like navigate as you get older in life. Um, I don't even know if that answers your question, but (laughs)
1: No, yeah, it does. I love it. It does. I I've thought about that though. Like I'm actually having sort of a paradigm shift on my childhood as it relates to this topic specifically, like the topic of God. Because I think I'm at a position now where I have a little bit more time to grapple with these kind of topics. Like, if you want to look at it as like a Maslow's hierarchy thing, like I've reached a point in Maslow's hierarchy where I can now really try to understand how I feel about deeper topics before I'm just trying to make enough money to survive. Right. And then it's it's like, okay, I need to buy a house or whatever the things are. Right. And now I'm at this point where it's like, okay, there's some stuff here going on that I probably should have a better opinion on. And I'm, I'm so thankful now for the way that I was raised because I have a healthy level of skepticism for dogma. And I feel like I can recognize when there's truth in something that maybe I wouldn't have heard when I was 16 years old at Hyde Park. Um, The fact that I can recognize BS when I see it, you know, I think a lot of that is built into me from my upbringing. And, you know, there are times when when I pray a lot now, um, a lot more than I did even like two or three years ago. And I think it's because, like there, I have an understanding now that there's a lot that I don't know, and I will never know for sure. And I'm okay with that, right? Like I'm time ty- sort of tying this all together. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot that I don't understand. There's a lot that I can recognize that I learned in my childhood, specifically in my childhood, in church and in school, that are are foundational ways to live that have led me to a better place in my life than I would have reached without them. So like, I can have a deep appreciation for those things because for sure, like any bit of success that I am as a husband or as a dad or as a friend, the foundation of all that was in church and school. And then you've got other things, Mm -hmm. too, right? Sports teams and family and all that. But Mm -hmm. I am at a point now sort of to answer, my own question where like, I don't look at, being raised in the church and in the private school is like a hindrance. Like, Oh man, I'm grappling with this topic now that I'm 34 because Mm -hmm. you know, it was beat into me so much as a child. Now it's like, man, I'm, I'm kind of glad that I got such an intense, like pushing of one sort of version of Christianity Mm -hmm. so that I can recognize in real life and the way that my life plays out what I I really don't want to become, Yeah, you know? Oh, I like that. Because I,
0: I have said on earlier uh, on earlier episodes, and I'm really glad that Ashley and Eric happened to be on the one that I said it. I, I don't know. I, I have hesitated recently on should I raise my kids in the church or, I mean, in theory, in a, in a school like Hyde Park. Because I, you know, and Ashley said it as as beautifully as could have been, and I'm going to butcher it, but showing children at an early age that there is light and beauty there and there is something there, regardless of whatever it is. I'm sure there's plenty of people that have been raised in in Judaism or Hinduism or, or Buddhism that have just been pushed in any one direction so far that you at least get to see that light. You can eventually come back 10, 12, 16 years later and reformulate it on your own or whatever, but you at least know that it exists. I I am... That's that's what I've been grappling with day to day, every day, literally the last couple of years since I've had kids. The same thing, it, but uh, man, the way you just said it makes it sound. And fucking combine it with Eric and Ashley. I need Vance on here. Somebody else has to push me against this shit because I'm calling. <laughs> it. it sounds so. so no, but good. even
4: it Vance does. did. It sounds like so, did. Yeah, He's he so.
0: pushed back at the idea of it, and it's mostly
3: just because you, you can't inherently say something like that is bad, right? That was. It's hard answer, to right. It's really hard to. Mm-hmm. It has <laughs> yeah, flaws, but-, but so many things do.
0: Yeah. Right. This was Austin, awesome, y'all. Like, I don't. I would really. I would re- I'd be interested to talk to
1: Vance about it. I, no, I just really.
0: am I'm, I'm not kidding. We'll have you back. We'll do another. one. Oh, we'll get you there. on here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or
0: or Vance and I'll just come to Austin once COVID's gone and we'll just all hang <laughs> out. Like that sounds fucking dope. I'd sounds that. way better. commercial be we'll
1: real estate. That's a great <laughs> idea.
0: <laughs> <laughs> It'll be very affordable. Oh man, uh, seriously, Tanner, bro, this was dope, man. I I've, thank you so much for coming on. This was awesome. Um, yeah. Any, uh, any final words, anything else you want to push while we're at it? Do you, do you want to, have we even said the name of your company yet? I don't know that we have, if you want to promote
1: it. For yeah. People, for our million well, Yeah. Listeners. I mean, there's six people listening. On <laughs> well, America's number sure one conservative podcast,
3: head. we support all small businesses. Number one. <laughs> <That's mankind. true.
1: laughs>
3: and so we would like you to promote it and for everybody listening to use it.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, you won't find me on any social media personally, so there's no handles to give there. Everything that you found, Joe, is that's like the last social media I plan on doing. I, I'm on LinkedIn, so I guess that counts. But and you find your like, um, there's nothing there. There's not a whole lot there. I'm a pretty boring guy.
0: There's nothing like, funny, dude. I was I was trying to create jokes out of nothing. I was like, none of this. Is yeah,
4: crazy. I deleted
0: so
1: much shit, dude. I, I've spent so much of my last like five years of life, really seven years of life, trying to make my world as small as possible because it's just it's more manageable for me at that level. You know, like. Let me get the foundational stuff really, really done well mm-hmm. before I go try to do big, grandiose things. I'm, I'm fine starting there. So the company is called Live Oak IT Partners. Um, you know, we're based in Austin, but we serve companies all over the country. It IT, IT work just lends itself well to that sort of paradigm. So um, our website is goliveoak.com. and you know we're we're. Sort of in a place right now, we didn't talk a whole lot about the business topic either. No, dude, no, so. dude,
0: fuck that. I'd much rather talk God. <laughs> <I didn't>, this <laughs> is why you don't need to read the script, man. Yeah, everything else is just feeder to get their fodder to get to the God topic. That's that's where the reality yeah,
1: is. Yeah, I should have read the question. I've been way more <laughs> Past it wasn't today. on there, so then, uh-huh, uh-huh. okay, good. But uh, yeah, we're we're based in Austin, but we're growing quite a bit. I mean, COVID has been.
4: Yeah.
1: COVID has been a really interesting shift in the economy that actually we're one of the kind of beneficiaries of it for no, like we can't take any credit for that at all. We're just sort of in the way of the wave and uh, trying to figure out how to build a better surfboard as quick as possible. So we're growing quickly, but um, yeah, it's been, it's been a really interesting seven years. Nice.
0: Well, anybody listening, check him out. And if you've made it an hour and a half into this, uh, thanks y'all.